On Mother's Day 1985, Philadelphia did something unthinkable. The city had been engaged in a standoff with a radical organization called MOVE. The helicopter takes off, then... The city dropped a bomb on MOVE's headquarters, killing 11 people, five of them children. My daughters were taken away by this corrupt government! Why is it so many have never heard of the MOVE bombing? Black people will never get justice in America. The Africas versus America, available now everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Jamie Poisson. Back in late September, an act of sabotage put three of Russia's four natural gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea out of commission. Sabotage at sea, that's what President Biden is calling the leaks and explosions on the Nord Stream pipelines. The busy Baltic Sea bursting with gas from ruptured Russian Nord Stream reinforced pipelines. More than an inch of steel coated in places in approximately four inches of concrete. Not easy to break. The four lines comprise a network known as Nord Stream 1 and 2. The pipelines were meant to deliver gas to Germany and Western Europe. What followed the explosions is a geopolitical whodunit. Officials and intelligence sources in several countries pointing the finger at each other. Investigations are now underway in Germany, Denmark, and Sweden. And six months later, it's still not clear who bombed the Nord Stream pipelines. But conflicting theories have emerged. Was it a group with links to Ukraine? That's a theory floated by reporting from the New York Times and German newspaper Die Zeit. Was it the United States? That's what reporting by Pulitzer-winning journalist Seymour Hersh suggests. Or maybe there are holes in both those theories, because that's what my guest today has been reporting on as he tries to get to the bottom of who actually blew up Nord Stream. Shane Harris is an intelligence and national security reporter with The Washington Post. Hi, Shane. Welcome back to Frontburner. It's always so great to have you. Hi. Thanks for having me back. So before we get into this whodunit, uh, why was Nord Stream so important to Russia? Well, it was important to Russia because it was a major conduit through which they could sell natural gas into Europe. So when this uh, project got off the ground or was beginning, I should say, in the late 90s, the idea here was that this was going to open up a whole market in Europe for Russian energy. Uh, and obviously there are uh, there's a huge customer base in Europe for that. With this project, we show, also in the presence of so many representatives from European countries, that we feel sure of a secure and resilient partnership with Russia in the future. And this was at a time when, of course, yeah, the Soviet Union had fallen some years earlier. Russia is kind of turning into more of a market economy and wants a place to sell its natural resources, of which it has abundant sources. Uh, and Nord Stream kind of became one of the key uh, pipelines, literally, to do that. The pipeline will be able to transport an annual capacity of up to 55 billion cubic meters of natural gas and provide the European Union with gas from Russia for over 50 years. So obviously the destruction of the pipeline uh, is harmful to Russia. Who, who else does it harm? Well, it also arguably harms uh, customers of Russian natural gas. There's a lot of those in Germany where the pipes uh, uh, land, essentially, and where the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was designed to bring gas as well. And, you know, companies that sell gas through the pipelines now uh, don't have a conduit there. The you know, Russian companies, as you mentioned, uh, can be harmed by that. 
Uh, and also this was, you know, this was a big project for the people who were behind this, who kind of saw this as opening up, particularly with Nord Stream 2, even more access to the Russian market. Uh, and now those dreams are at least temporarily dashed. It's important to say there are other ways of getting energy, of course, into Europe. But this was a big one that the advocates for Nord Stream, particularly Russia and Germany, ha- had quite a bit riding. Okay. And then do the other side for me. Who are the the big players who who stand to gain from the destruction of the pipeline or are are maybe happy about it? Right. Well, there's probably a lot of people who they may not say it publicly, but privately are probably pretty happy. The Nord Stream is offline now. There was a great deal of opposition to it throughout Europe. The United States was very opposed uh, to this as well. Ukraine has been historically quite opposed to this. And the, and the big source of opposition here for a lot of countries was that they didn't want Europe becoming more dependent on Russia for a source of energy because, frankly, I don't think that they saw Russia as being aligned with Western interests. And the people who were against the pipeline's expansion had a geopolitical motive, for sure, probably among others, in that, uh, and and were not fans of the project to begin with, uh, and had actually tried to bring pressure in some instances on, on a halting of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which was set to go online uh, you know, around the time that the war began was one that the United States in particular had voiced some pretty strong concerns with as well. With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. So the, the big proponents of it were Germany and Russia and a lot of Europe and the United States was was pretty against it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I guess uh, the destruction of it in the context of the war, several countries would would be happy at like an economic blow to Russia, right? Including Ukraine, the U.S., Poland, etc. Yeah, I think Ukraine, Poland, the United States, Great Britain are all happy to see that Russia has one less source of energy to the West and one less source of revenue. Uh, important to note, Russia did cut off its supply on Nord Stream 1 before the sabotage, so there were some indications that Russia was willing to forgo some of that revenue in order to put pressure on the West. But all of these countries will be happy to see that gas is not flowing right now through Nord Stream. So I want to go through some of the theories with you. Uh... Some of them are pretty wild. Uh, Let's get into the theory that Ukrainian elements may be responsible here, though not necessarily uh, the state itself. So this first came out in the New York Times. Uh, I know uh, that you and your Washington Post colleagues were quick to sort of match this story. And can you lay out for me how this bombing theory played out? Uh, How was it done? Who might have done it according to these reports? So there are intelligence officials who believe that a pro-Ukrainian group, probably acting without the knowledge of the government, uh, so think of this as like an independent actor doing what they think is in Ukraine's interests, could have sabotaged the pipeline. One data point or kind of clue in this has been a communications intercept uh, that a Western government got a hold of. We still don't know which intelligence service before the pipeline was hit in which 
what are described to us as pro-Ukrainian groups or individuals are discussed or are, are understood to be discussing attacking the pipeline as a way to harm Russia. Essentially, that's that's the implied motivation here. Um, that's one data point. Uh, there are other reasons why some people who kind of favor the pro-Ukraine group did it theory think that they might be behind it, but they're looking essentially at this intelligence and also at the lack of intelligence or information that they would expect to find pointing the finger back at Russia. And there too, what they would be looking for are intercepted communications because the U.S. and its allies have very good penetration of Russian communications where they would overhear or see reflections of uh, you know, Russian officials essentially taking credit for the sabotage. Mm. And they're just not seeing that when they would expect to. So the pro-Ukraine theory is that this small group, possibly operating you know, with, with a very tiny footprint, went out to the pipeline, somehow planted explosives on it, perhaps by diving down or using a submersible, uh, and then ultimately uh, destroyed three of the, or severed three of those pipelines. Before we get to how they might have done that, this pro-Ukrainian group, um, you know, you mentioned that there was like a lack of evidence that Russia was taking credit. And I, ju- I just want to I just want to pause on that for a minute. Why, why would Russia blow up their own pipeline in the first place? This is a very good question. A lot of people who are skeptical of Russia being behind the sabotage were asking for, for quite some time. If we go back to when the pipelines were blown up last year, last in the fall, initially, a lot of world leaders came out publicly and pointed the finger at Russia. And they did that because I think they presumed that Russia was trying to play hardball with the West and demonstrate that it was willing to not just cut off the supply of energy and gas, as it actually already had on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, but was willing to even go so far that they would destroy infrastructure that the West relied on for energy. And this was perceived as basically, you know, a very hostile act and a demonstration of force by Russia. The result of a freak coincidence? The Polish prime minister doesn't think so. We do not yet know the details of what happened at Nord Stream, but we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. But some people were very skeptical of this and saying, you know, look, they've already shut the gas off on Nord Stream 1. Germany had actually halted authorization of Nord Stream 2, but that didn't mean that it would never come back online again. Why would the Russians, you know, actually go out and and sabotage their own pipeline and then potentially have to spend billions of dollars to fix it later? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was why some people felt that it was a little bit of a stretch to think that Russia would take this step when it frankly had already demonstrated that it was willing to sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know, extort uh, Europe uh, over energy by withholding gas on the Nord Stream. All right. So now take me back to this small pro-Ukrainian group that some intelligence officials are saying they think was responsible for this. I know the German paper Dizit introduced this really detail-laden narrative about the sailing yacht Andromeda uh, at about the same time. And so walk me through this part of the story. I know you and your team have followed this thread too. And and how did the German paper say this attack by this pro-Ukrainian group was carried out? So this uh, report came from uh, reporting on the German law enforcement investigation, which is being carried out by Germany's attorney general as a criminal investigation. 
And what they have found is that this sailing yacht Andromeda was rented from a port in Germany with six individuals, we believe, aboard. It left port and went on a route that took it ultimately into the vicinity of where the explosions on the pipeline occurred, not far from uh, an island that belongs to Denmark uh, in the Baltic Sea. Investigators were, our understanding is, tipped off to this boat by yet another Western intelligence service who, in his identity, we don't know, but eventually found this boat and had reason to believe that it may have been involved in the sabotage. And when they searched it, actually found traces of explosive residue on a table inside the cabin of the boat, you know, where people sit and where they sleep, um, that matched the type of explosive used on the pipeline. And our sources are saying possibly even is the same batch as was used on the pipeline. So there's a very strong forensic link. Investigators further found that a company in Poland, which is owned in turn by a European company, owned in turn by a Ukrainian oligarch, or rich, I say, wealthy, wealthy Ukrainian, was used to rent the boat. Uh, so when the, when the time came to actually facilitate the rental and do the payment, it was essentially chartered through this apparent network of companies. So this makes investigators very curious initially as to, okay, we have a boat here that we can place in the vicinity of the pipeline based on eyewitness accounts and based on their ability to go back and trace where the boat traveled. And of course, there's this explosive residue inside. Um, They have since grown a bit skeptical that Andromeda could be the only ship that was involved in the sabotage because, you know, it's a 50-foot sailboat, essentially, with six people aboard. The investigators think roughly a thousand pounds, if not more, of explosives were used. And the pipeline, you know, while you can dive down to it, is actually quite deep and is a fairly challenging dive, even for an experienced diver. And that would take time. So if Andromeda were the only ship involved, it's got six people aboard, quite a lot of explosive cargo, all the tanks, possibly de- uh, to go to the, the, the dive, possibly compression equipment. And so now they're wondering whether or not it may have had help from a larger ship. And to make the intrigue even thicker, they're also wondering whether the ship itself, the Andromeda, was actually a decoy, which is to say it wasn't Ah. directly involved, but basically was put to sea in order to leave a trail of breadcrumbs, which were later discovered to make investigators think that was the ship that was involved and deflect from the actual culprit. Well, what do you think? I mean, I I will say that, you know, from from, from very early on in in, in this whole story, I, I was skeptical of Russia's involvement only because I didn't understand what the motivation would be. Um, but of course, Russia has done all kinds of things that seem to run counter to its interest, including being Ukraine. But as my reporting, you know, fleshed this out, I, I, I'm quite intrigued by this idea that there are some kind of pro-Ukrainian group that's operating uh, uh, without the knowledge of the government. A number of intelligence sources I talk to, while they will say, look, we do not know for sure. That is a theory that makes some sense to them. And there is some evidence they think that is circumstantial and that intelligence data that points to it. So my mind is not made up. Um, what I'm trying to do right now is basically sense, you know, where this investigation is going and what intelligence officials and law enforcement officials who are tracking it think. I just have one question about the, the idea that the Andromeda yacht theory is like a decoy, like a decoy for for what? 
Well, we don't know. And this is an important thing to say that people who are proposing this are not saying what it's a decoy for. I think what's motivate, what's making them think this, that could be a decoy though, uh, is that once they found out about the ship, once they were point, once the Germans were pointed to the ship, it's important to remember they were tipped off to it. Its trail was apparently fairly easy to unravel. And there are some people who just, I think, think that was a little bit too easy and it looks a little bit too pat. You know, six experienced divers in demolition, but they left explosive traces on the boat. Yeah. That seems yeah. a little suspicious to people. So I think that there is, you know, this is, you know, really is like a big kind of game of clue. And there's a lot of process of elimination going on. But I think to the investigators and intelligence officials, they're just looking at the boat and saying, look, if you wanted to create a distraction, which is to say, make people think it was the Andromeda when actually it was some other ship that was maybe larger uh, that maybe was connected to a government, who knows? That's to their mind, and I should say they being investigators and intelligence officers who you know engage in setting up operations of distraction like this, it strikes them as plausible. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case, but they look at that and they say, yeah, that looks like something that we could imagine someone doing if what you're trying to do is throw investigators off the real set. you knew this, but the world of podcasting is massive. Hi, I'm Leah. I'm the host of CBC's Podcast Playlist. There is such a constant avalanche of new releases, it can be hard to keep up. Luckily, Podcast Playlist can help. Every week, we deep dive into the podcast world to find the most compelling stories. And every month, we'll give you a sneak peek into the hottest new releases so you can stay ahead. Tune in to Podcast Playlist on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. There's another theory that I wanted to talk to you, and that's the possibility that the United States is actually behind this. As you said earlier, they also uh, were in opposition to this pipeline. And of course, they're like uh, the most powerful nation in, in NATO. What do you make of that theory? So the theory that the U.S. was involved, I mean, it has kind of two components. There are, uh, there are those who will point to statements that Joe Biden made not long before the war began. Uh, in fact, in a press conference with uh, uh, the German leader, Chancellor Schultz, where he's essentially promised Nord Stream 2, you know, wasn't going to go forward because the war was about to start. And people were saying, well, how are the allies going to be against Russia if you've got Germany in this huge project with Russia? This kind of seems like an obvious um, conflict of interest. If if Russia invades, uh, then uh, there will be be no longer Nord Stream 2. We, We will bring an end to it. What do, what, how, will you, how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. And some people point to that and say Joe Biden was telegraphing, you know, that the United States was going to do something about Nord Stream. The, the theory has principally, if not singularly, been articulated by a piece that Seymour Hirsch wrote, uh, the, you know, the very famous uh, an American investigative reporter on his Substack page. You know, I, 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 I can't speak to Seymour Hersh's reporting other than to note that the story appears to hang entirely on one anonymous source. Uh, and traditionally in journalism, we don't source the stories, particularly ones of the significance to single sources. 
who appear to know the entirety of this elaborate plot that the United States was involved in with Norway. Um, none of my reporting, uh, or that I'm aware of any of my colleagues at other publications, points to um, any support for the scenario that's laid out in that particular story, um, which again is, is quite elaborate uh, and, and uh, uh, incredibly detailed, um, and more so than any reporting on the subject by anyone anywhere, which I take to be raises my skepticism, frankly, uh, significantly. Mm -hmm. um, the CIA has been on the record denying it. Now you might say, well, of course they would deny it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm skeptical that, they, that, that it, and as it's laid out in Mr. Hirsch's article, that it played out that way. That is not to say that the United States does not have knowledge of who did this. Uh, it's not to say that pro-Ukrainian groups or former Ukrainian military who had been once trained by the U.S. or the British could have been involved in this. I'm not saying that's the case, but you know you can't rule that out based on what we know. Um, I do find it based on my knowledge of this administration and the way the U.S. intelligence community works. Um, I find it difficult to believe that, that this president would directly authorize the CIA to sabotage the pipeline or any element of the military or the intelligence community to sabotage the pipeline. That would have to come directly from the president. Uh, everything that Joe Biden has done in the war now for more than a year has been designed to avoid escalation. He talks very publicly about this. You could imagine that Russia might be very upset if someone blew up a pipeline that they were partnered to. That could be seen as escalatory. And I don't see what the motivation would be for the United States blowing up such a valuable piece of infrastructure that belongs to you know one of its most important NATO allies, namely Germany. Um, so, you know, I color me a bit skeptical on the idea that the United States was directly responsible for the sabotage. You said before that the detail in the story, you know, that the, the, that it was these Navy divers, uh, I think, sort of operating like undercover as part of a NATO exercise in the Baltic Sea and that they did this with the help of Norway is, is sort of what turned you off from the story. Why? Like, why wouldn't those details make you feel more confident in the story? I'd feel more confident if I could see in the story that they were attributed to more than one individual. Mm -hmm. And based on my reading of the story, the narrative, which is quite elaborate, appears to be attributed to one person who... You know, unless Mr. Hirsch has other sources that I'm missing or he's not calling out in the story. And we always try to tell our readers, you know, how many sources we're talking to. Um, I just I just find it hard to believe that a single individual knows every detail of the story as it's presented. And that by the plain reading of Mr. Hirsch's article is what he's telling us, that this one person told him this story. Uh, you know, maybe there maybe I've missed a step or two here, but uh that's just an incredible amount of information for one person to know. Um, and I mean, I will just note that, you know, uh, none of those details have been corroborated by any of the other journalists, including myself, who are actively working on the story. The, the reporting that it could be a pro-Ukrainian group that has, you know, been sourced from uh, definitely more than one uh, intelligence official, U.S. intelligence official. What might you say to someone who might feel like, well, of course, that's what U.S. intelligence officials would be feeding reporters because, uh, you know, they're doing it deliberately to 
steer them away or steer the narrative away from this being either the U.S. or even um, like the the state of you of Ukraine. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's actually a very healthy level of skepticism, right? And, and, and to be clear, by no means am I, you know, saying I know who did it or I definitely know who didn't do it. I'm just sort of, you know, using my judgment here, uh, my own skepticism. But sure, I mean, you know, you can, if you, you know, a, a astute reader would say, well, hold on a second. If U.S. intelligence officials are pointing the figure on one way, isn't that what they want you to believe? True, that could be possible. Um, I, you know, I will only note that you know, in our reporting, we do not only talk to officials in the United States. Uh, and you start to hear you know, similar themes uh, and thrusts coming from people in different countries, which is not to say that they don't all have a motive, perhaps to point away from Ukraine or towards some group. But you know, I think we have enough confidence to say, look, there is apparently this intelligence reporting that is out there. We don't have any reason to believe it's made up that has caught the attention of a number of people who are investigating this. And then, you know, our sources who are privy to the German law enforcement investigation, you know, those officials are saying, look, we don't know who did this, but we still have a lot of questions as well. Um, and, and I think that you know, the best that we can do at any one point is try and give readers a snapshot of what our understanding is at the moment. And we as journalists do not have perfect knowledge about what happened here. So. You know, it's, it's always important, and for reporters too, to have some skepticism and to try and, you know, flag for readers what we do know and what we don't know as we go through trying to tell this really complicated story. And the last thing I wanted to ask you before we go, this is such a fascinating story. I'm like very, very into this. Um, but uh, it, it, yeah, as, as I'm sure you are too, but it does seem like um, from what, what I've read that, that people in the intelligence and, and diplomacy community Maybe they they would actually prefer to not know who's responsible here. Like I have been reading some analytical pieces that talk about how like this this isn't really being talked about or that there is a sense that you shouldn't talk about it. Uh, and just like flesh that out for me. Yeah, I think this is this kind of, you know, goes in the category of, you know, don't go asking questions when you might not like the answer uh, for some officials who... Um, who I've spoken to and my colleagues have spoken to have said, you know, look, this happened a long time ago. We're moving on from this. And frankly, if this does turn out to have some kind of connection back to Ukraine, whether it were the government of Ukraine or people acting when what they thought was the interest of Ukraine, that is going to be a very big political problem. You know, the citizens of Germany might rightly be very upset if they were to learn that then a country they've been arming and supporting in its war with Russia had attacked their infrastructure. For those officials who think that Ukraine could have been involved in some way, it's almost better not to know, because then if that does become the fact, if it, if it now if everyone were to see that Ukraine were somehow involved, what is the responsibility of Ukraine to make amends for that? Will that mm -hmm. fracture the alliance? Will that weaken public support for Ukraine? Um, does that embolden Russia? And it's just very interesting to me that, you know, as you ask people, you know, who do you think blew up Nord Stream? You do often get the, the, the response, we really don't know, and we're not really in a rush to find out. All right, Shane, thank you so much for this. It's always great to have you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, that's all for today. I'm Jamie Poisson. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.